Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hello. Hey, Craig. How are you, brother? Good, man. How's it going? Good. And we, we are recording. We're on. On the boiling, oh, wow. on the boiling point. Sorry for the uh, sorry for the mix-up of time, but uh, we've had an interesting technical day. But we are, yeah. we are here rock. And listen, um, you are similar to me in the fact that I just assume you're not here. I assume you're in Africa. I assume you're somewhere else in the world but here. So where are you right now, and where did you just get back from? Before we get in, in, into reminding people who you are. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, I'm in Moncton. I'm in my studio in Moncton right now. Uh, but I just got back from Washington, D.C. Oh, fantastic. I was there. Yeah, I was there. Uh, uh, one of our films, Kokoda, uh, won an award at the D.C. Environmental Film Festival. And I got to go to National Geographic headquarters and present present the film there. Fantastic. Well, listen, let's let's rewind. Uh, for some of our listeners, we had Craig on. Dave, how long ago was it? Do you remember? Craig might remember. A year ago. Oh, was it a year ago? Yeah. A long time ago, Craig, you're just embarking on uh, some really cool stuff. And in the meantime, you you and Video Band have pumped out so many films and so many films that are winning awards. Like uh, it's it's almost kind of unbelievable, actually, coming from another filmmaker. <laughs> so why, why don't you give uh, give the audience uh, a reintroduction to who you are and what Video Band is? Uh, yeah, so Video Band started off only about four years ago, um, and before that. I was a photographer, and before that, I was working in the in the business uh, world. And yeah, I guess over the last uh, four years, we have pumped out quite a bit of content. Like we made a nature documentary series for the Biosphere Reserve. Um, we did a series of live music videos, and then I guess our work got pretty serious when we started doing more climate change and conservation site work. So our our latest releases um, would be Kokoda, the Island of Hope, which is a documentary we made in Southeast Africa for the European Union. Uh, and then we made Surviving the Fundy Footpath. Um, and we worked with the Biosphere Reserve and the Fundy Trail Hiking Association on that one. It's a it's a cool story. It tells the story of a, a guy from Toronto who had never slept in a tent or been to a campfire. And it tells the story of his attempt to complete one of Canada's hardest hikes, the Fundy Footpath. And it's hilarious, and have, by the way. It's it, <laughs> I, I, it, for, for me, Craig, I've seen I've seen all of all of your films that you've released anyway. And that one it is just hilarious and the other thing it that that film does it shows how intense of a hike the funny footpath really is i mean it, it is considered one of canada's toughest is it not yeah and that was the whole point of doing that film we kind of had two objectives there was one the footpath is a trail that nobody knows about uh even locally it's not well known uh but then the second thing is that a lot of people go out and they underestimate that trail so you wind up having search and rescue missions take place uh on the trail so we wanted to make a film that would uh, introduce the trail uh, to the world, but also by following someone who didn't have any hiking experience, we knew he'd make a lot of mistakes and the audience would really learn from that. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting because <laughs> on one hand, it's like this a bit of a cloaked uh, training film, and it's also kind of a cloaked conservation film 
um, because we wanted to, the reason we want more people to hike the footpath is, you know, the more popular that trail becomes and the more people that fall in love with it, you know, when industry goes in and tries to clear cut it, we'll collectively put our foot down and say, no, you know, not here, not this forest. So. Oh man, I think that's, that's awesome. And, you know, Kokoda right now is the one that's really making the rounds, um, at, at all the environmental film festivals. Why don't you bring, bring our audience uh, up to speed of what Kokoda's story is? Yeah, so Kokoda follows the story of uh, Mbarak Musa Omar, who seven or eight years ago was basically just a poor person living in uh, in Pemba, uh, an island off the coast of uh, Tanzania. And um, he had visited this island called Kokoda. Um, and when he got there, he was just really blown away. You know, his community was poor, but when he got out to Kokoda, the, it was really abject poverty. And he, he just really wished that he could do something about it. But you know, just getting in a boat and and sailing 20 kilometers to get to Kokoda was, was, you know, more than he could afford. So what he decided to do was just focus on problems at home. And it, it kind of tells the story of how if you take big problems and you break them down into small ones and you just focus on what you can do, it's amazing how quick um, you can get to a place where you're solving your big problems. So it just tells his story of how he went from from working with one community um, to working with like 18 and helping Kokoda tackle things like deforestation, like Kokoda had no fresh water. So he helps them build a rainwater collection system. They, they didn't have a school. He helps them build a school. They had to change their approach to farming and they, he, he trains them, you know, works with others to help train them. So it's really amazing the turnaround that he was able to spark on this little tiny Island that, you know, most people didn't know about and most people didn't care. And the thing that's really special for me is, you know, being from the province of New Brunswick, where we all are uh, living uh, right now, um, is the learnings and the and, and the information exchanges between the efforts that are happening here in uh, sustainable forestry in New Brunswick and some of the things that have been learned in New Brunswick by uh, what's been going on in Pemba. Do, do you want to speak on that a little bit about the, the, the cross-cultural exchange and the fact that's not just us going over there and saying, hey, this is what you should do, but rather it's the, op- it's the other way around so many times? I think the biggest thing, um, and, and you know, the guys here in uh, Sackville uh, that work for Community Force International could speak to it better than I could, but from what I've seen, what really happened at Pemba was that everybody just got very, all the Canadians that were there got really inspired because you go to this place and you see, you know, you meet people that are the sorts of people that live on like a dollar a day. And, you know, they're just worried about uh, trying to have supper that night. Um, But somehow they motivated their community to start thinking about deforestation and, you know, plant over a million trees in like 18 communities. And I think the biggest thing was that when the Canadians saw that, then you come home and, you know, we're comparatively astronomically rich. And it was just kind of a kick in the butt to say, well, why can't we be doing uh, why can't we be reforesting our clear cuts? And, you know, we, we have a, a much better place to start from. We have a lot more resources to start from. And that has spurred CFI on to do some really cool things. Like, I, I don't know if you're familiar with their latest projects, but they're doing things like buying clear cuts and uh, planting like a mixed uh, species of trees. So to re- basically regenerate the Acadian forest. And it's such a cool approach because every time we look at a clear cut, we just think, oh, well, you know, it's clear cut, it's, it's toast, it's, you know, that, that land has been destroyed. And CFI kind of looked at it and said, no, we'll buy the clear cut, we'll get it for cheap, and we'll play the long game. And we'll create, we'll regenerate the Acadian forest, and we'll make a sustainable forest 
and you know we won't just be thinking about 20 years from now we'll be thinking we'll take the long-term view and think about 100 years from now and those guys are doing all kinds of projects that are cool like that and really taking a different approach to forestry and i i think they pulled a lot of inspiration from what was going on in pemba you know um I'm, as i'm listening to you craig i'm just thinking of you know like you're pretty prolific in terms of what you're producing what is it <clears throat> what does it take in your experience to to um create a story that inspires it's it's probably not as complicated as people think um you're usually just looking for a very uh interesting charismatic person with an interesting background that's in an interesting place and is doing or has done an interesting thing so there's really only three things that you're looking for so if you look at something like surviving the fundy footpath with uh, bruce bruce was interesting because he's a first generation canadian uh, who grew up in Toronto and has spent all of his adult life in major cities like, you know, Paris, and London. Um, he's an urban guy that moved to Alma. So we had the we had the first box checked. We had a, we had an interesting character. And then the Fundy footpath is, you know, this this amazing trail that climbs in and out of 18 ravines along the Fundy escarpment and overlooks the highest tides of the world with the Bay of Fundy. So we knew we had an interesting place. And then uh, when Bruce had this challenge of, you know, I've never gone hiking before and I'm going to try, I'm going to dive into the deep end of the pool and try to do uh, one of Canada's hardest hikes for my first hike. You had, that was the, the third piece that fell into place. So now you had an interesting person in an interesting place doing an interesting thing. So if you can check those three boxes, you're well on your way to having uh, an inspiring documentary. That, I, I like how you just break that down. Um, the other question I have for you is just around, I mean, and it sounds like humor is important to you. I'm just looking, and we're, I mean, you know, I mean, so Greg tells me, and I have to check it out. But the the you know the one about the funny footpath, there's you know, it sounds like it's hilarious. Um, but I I was reading one of the titles here, like Garbage Man Man, and um, what's this next one? Um, the Enlightenment Rednecks Guide to Moose Sex. Like like these are these are great titles, man. <laughs> so you 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 want to spice stuff with a bit of humor? I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know we all. We all love funny people. We all love funny stories. The, you know, the 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 funny moments that happen in our lives are the things that we talk about for like years and years and years, right? And and we've been uh, we've been kind of looking at stories about climate change and about conservation and these like really heavy topics. Mm -hmm. And we're we're asking ourselves, well, like everybody's been taking the serious approach on it. Like, is is there kind of a funny angle, you know? So, like, a good example is the Enlightened Rednecks Guide to Moose Sex. Like, um, our senior producer, Ben Phillips, he's an environmental scientist, and he came to me and said, you know, we need to do a documentary about uh, wildlife connectivity on the Chignecto Isthmus, which is the land bridge that connects uh, Nova Scotia to New Brunswick. It's basically been all chopped up by development, and that's making it really hard for wildlife to cross the isthmus and to mate. And then Ben kind of gave me the list of people that we were going to talk to. And I was like, you know, Ben, I don't want to offend you, but this is going to be the most boring documentary in the history of documentaries. You know, like there's no boxes like nobody's, checked here. Yeah, nobody's going to watch this. You know, so uh, Ben kind of kind of agreed and then put some thought to it and uh, did some research and found out that comedian Nikki Payne lives on the Chinecto Isthmus. And a lot of her uh, comedy um, is, is very, like is very colorful, if you will. Yeah, it's colorful, and she, you know, she jokes about sex a lot. And it's like, well, what are we fundamentally talking about? Like the the connectivity on the isthmus is all about 
enabling animals to mate, you know? So we, once we had Nikki lined up, we said, well, okay, we still don't have a story. We have a character and we have a place, but what's the story? So we talked to Nikki and found out that she is a huge lover of animals. And when we told her that, you know, the Shenecto Ismith had this, this connectivity issue, uh, she basically decided that she wanted to go on a quest to find out, you know, how, what she could do to make the Shenecto Ismith more sexy. So that's, that's how we arrived at that project. So so she goes around and interviews all these conservationists and biologists. Oh my and, God, that's got to be and, funny to watch. Like yeah, just, just, yeah, just I think it'll be enjoyable. Must have been, were you filming it yourself? Yeah, so it, it kind of follows like a, a, a daily show kind of format where yeah. Nikki is kind of like a correspondent and she always takes the opposing view. So she definitely starts off as the redneck and she becomes <laughs> enlightened uh, throughout the process of making the film. So. Yeah. Yeah, some moments were pretty funny. The way that she would start interviews could be like could be a real slap in the face for some of the biologists that she was talking to. <laughs> and how did they respond? Like, were they 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 were expecting it? I guess they were they were game, you know. Like, cause I, I and and I'm making I'm massive stereotype here, but I'm imagining kind of uh, folks that are you know maybe a little stiffer than than a comedian, you know, in terms of um, in front of a camera. And was it yeah was kind of was playing out. Yeah, it kind of ran the gamut. So, like, uh, one of the first interviews we did, uh, I don't think the the person that Nikki was interviewing had a lot of background information on the project, like, just enough. And Nikki's <laughs> first question, uh, she looks at her and she's like, so, Paula, tell me, why are you such a moose sex pervert? <laughs> <laughs> and what, what was the reaction? Like, and that it was just, a classic. Like, it, you know, it totally caught her off guard and like, you know, you got that exact reaction that you want where like her eyes just kind of flash like left and right. And she has, and, you know, she just kind of says like, I, I, I don't know how to answer that question. And like when I'm behind the camera, I'm just like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> you, that know? Is, you know, what? it reminds me of Nardwar, the human serviette. Do you remember his interviews? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Like, like, like he interviewed uh, Gorbachev once. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, was, yeah. look him up on YouTube, Dave. What's his name? Nardwar. How do you spell that? N-A-R-D-W-A-R. And he ended up playing on much music for a while. But he used to be in a punk rock band called The Evaporators years ago out of Vancouver. But he's got hundreds of interviews like that, Craig, you know, where it's just taking people off guard, especially like rock and roll musicians from the States when they come to Canada. Yeah. They don't really know if he's real or not, you know? And the whole thing is a, yeah. And Nikki Payne, I could totally see her being the exact same type of way, you know? So quirky. And Craig, what about, you know, you and I have the um, the connection of we're both storytellers from here. Um, what, what are your thoughts about telling New Brunswick stories out to the world and then also switching that around, telling global stories to New Brunswick? Is that part of the DNA of Video Band? Oh, for sure. Like, I think uh, it's it's really important to our province that we have New Brunswickers telling our own stories. Um, in fact, like a, a probably a pretty good example was there was an article uh, in The Guardian yesterday about the Fundy footpath. Um, and it was a, a guy, I presume, that was from the UK that wrote the story. And he did an OK job on the story. But like after I read it, I was I was kind of like there's three takeaways. I was like, one, New Brunswick is a province, not a state. Uh, two, the Fundy footpath is not covered in pine trees, it's covered in spruce trees and the Acadian forest, one of the world's like unique forest types, you know. Um, and I forget what the third thing that was messed up in that article, but it was kind of like, you know, we like that. That should have been like a New Brunswicker, like the the inside. You always want the story from like an insider, you know, like at least that's what I think we should be doing 
in New Brunswick, we should be telling our own stories and we have lots of great stories to tell. And, and that's kind of what we're trying to do with, with video band, like in our new projects, we always, we always look for that quirky, like uh, charismatic New Brunswick character that can, that can really kind of give an insider's look on, on this place. Like even though surviving the funny footpath, the main character is, a, you know, someone who recently arrived here, all the supporting characters are longtime New Brunswickers, like Alonzo Legier, he's 70, and he actually founded the Fundy Footpath, and Mark Legier is his son, and he grew up building the Fundy Footpath, and Ben Phillips is kind of a locally famous environmental scientist, um, and, you know, he he was there as well, so I, I get really irritated when I see people coming from Toronto, and, you know, uh, and, and, telling our stories for us. I think we should be telling our own. Where you started Video Band, and I uh, I remember seeing you in Toronto on the streets shooting a commercial for uh, Atlantic Lotto, and that's uh, you, that's a bit of your founder story. What, 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 what are you, you've been doing this for how many years now? Well, I, well, that was way before Video Band. Oh, um, <laughs> Yeah, like video bands only four years old. But um, when I when I got when I went to the university, I studied business and right out of university, I got hired by the Atlantic Lottery Corporation. And at the time, just everybody in my family and everybody in my social network just thought that was amazing. You know, it's kind of like, oh, you got a great job with a pension. Um, But after being there for not that long, I kind of realized like, oh, my God, my job is to convince more people to spend more money gambling. And it just took this huge toll on me. Like it was a bit of a, you know, I was young. I was only, I got that job when I was 22. And by the time I was 24, I was kind of having like an existential crisis. Like, you know, I spent all this time in school and and kind of got to this quote unquote dream job and was like, this is it. This is, this is the, this is what I worked so hard for. And it took about two, after having that epiphany, it took about two years to actually get the guts to, to quit the lottery and pursue you know, uh, documentary photography and documentary filmmaking. And at the time there was a lot of social pressure from family saying like, you're crazy to leave this job, you know? And then, and now it fast forward 11 years and, uh, we have a production company that specializes on making films about conservation, climate change, and the environment. And we're winning awards and screening at national geographic. And it's just, if, you know, it's, it's a good example of, uh, follow your dreams and the money will follow. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting alignment too with uh, a lot of you know events that have happened in in my company's life too, specifically around lotto and gambling of all things. There was a period where we did a fair bit um, of casino work, and I remember sending Mark and Lachlan, maybe Andrew or Kevin, down to Vegas for another client, um, and it wasn't a casino or lottery client, but the shooting happened in one of the casinos and the guys came back and they were like, can you please not let us do that again? And it it just did not uh, groove with their hearts and their, their ethical worldview uh, because they saw these people just dumping, you know, it's one thing about, you know, responsible gambling. Sure. But if we're contributing to people, to vulnerable populations, we are not, uh, using our businesses wisely. And it was that moment, Craig, for, for Hemmings house, when I had to call the client, it was an agency and said, we don't, we can't do this work anymore. And they said, well, this is the only work that we, we have. And I was like, oh, can't do it anymore. And to not sound pretentious or judgy either, we lost a lot of work from them for years as a result. 
but it it felt good, and that's what put us down into a, a different direction, which eventually led us to B Corp. Actually, so it's interesting that we both have so many similar uh, crossroads. Yeah, well, I mean, you know what it's like working in in this industry, like making documentaries. Like you, these are these are projects of uh, passion, and and uh, you got to put a lot of hours into all these projects. So if you have to pay the bills, you got to do projects that your your heart's not behind. It just it it turns it into a job, you know, and and like and a bad job. So yeah, it's definitely when when we opened Video Band. I mean, I was already kind of well on the road to you know doing maybe maybe working too much every day, but being able to sleep at sleep at the end of the day. It was already well on that way before I opened Video Band. But it's it's definitely been a driving force behind the business. And what's crazy is how popular that model is. And you know, you think that maybe it's a it's a small market. It's not a small market. Like people people want to work with ethical people. You know. I oh no! I was just going to add to that. I was just going to say, um, um, we deliver coaching. A lot of times, people uh, one one piece of coaching would be with someone struggling. And what's interesting is a theme I've seen emerge over the last, like, let's say, decade. Um, when I've been interacting with those clients, and you know, you generally someone in a corporate environment, and there there there's some stress there, and you know, it's not uncommon to see the stress is around a misalignment of their their kind of personal values and, and, and the corporate values that they work within. And, you know, not everyone has the courage or the, you know, to, to do what you guys are doing, you know, in terms of, you know, shifting and moving away from that and starting, taking a chance and starting something new. So I just, I think it's so common out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, this, I, I, you know, it's neat to share that story because there, there is a path, right? But, but, you know, good for you. Craig, not to stick it out because, you know, who knows how that impacts your health long-term, right? Let alone, oh, let, yeah. let alone the stories you miss out sharing, right? Yeah. I, I remember, you know, being at work back in the early 2000s and just, I came up with this term for th- those kinds of people and I called them collected checks. You know, they just, they were, they were there to come in, punch the clock, try not to put too much thought into about what they were doing and just, and just go back home again, you know? And that's like, that sucks. Like that's not a, that's not a good way to spend your day. Like that's going to make you sick, you know? So like if, if a person's in that kind of situation and they're really not enjoying their employment, like, uh, uh, most people that I know, everybody that I know that took the leap to kind of follow their dreams. I, I've never seen anybody fall on their face. I've seen people have hard, hard times. Like I'm not saying that open video band was an easy, (laughs) is an easy way to make a living, but you know, we're still doing it. I'm 10 times happier than, than I was working in that like kind of basically old school 1950s business model, you know, you know, you know what I think you said, uh, at least for me, you said, I like what you said earlier, which is I'm, I'm working harder, but I'm sleeping better. And that's, that's actually a really that's interesting awesome. way to describe it. Work because, hard, sleep good. Uh, yeah. Because you know, when we're stressed and that stuff sitting in our subconscious, you know, maybe it is conscious, but I mean, when, when does it show up? At least for me. 2.30, And you're up and you're <laughs> wide awake. And you're, you know, in my case, you know, all this biofeedback, like I'm, I'm hot, I'm sweating, you know, because there's something that's bothering me. But, but uh, work, work harder, sleep, sleep, you know, deeper. That's a love. I love that. <laughs> and so we, we got to, we're going to, we're going to wrap this. But um, I, you know, one of the things we were talking about when we had a little crash here was um, we, you and I need to connect because I think that's a great story or part of a great story to share within my column to get this on print because, you know, the founder story is Greg kind of describes it isn't being told or you don't believe is being told. So I, I'd like to try to help 
tell that in, in mainstream media, if that's, if that's good by you. So, yeah, sure. So we'll got to connect on that. Um, and, um, you know, I just, what, what should, what should people watch for and, and where do they find you? Um, if they want to learn more about you and the cool things you're doing. I think probably people should keep an eye out for two things. Uh, obviously my website, videoband.ca is a good place to find our work or, or just go to YouTube and type in video band. We've got a pretty stock channel on there right now. And then, uh, definitely keep an eye out for Tideland, uh, doc fest, which is a, a doc fest that, uh, we just launched in February. That's going to tour Moncton, St. John, uh, Fredericton and Stackville, uh, annually. So the first year went really well and, uh, we're looking forward to doing, doing uh, a second year we're going to bump it from february to april so we can get out of the snow season oh man um, <laughs> i heard the saint john night you still got a, a good house i heard saint john but it was a crazy blizzard that night you know what we had we had bad weather at basically every show and we had 150 to 200 people out every night so it's kind of fun to daydream like what the crowds would have been like had there not been like basically the worst four storms of the winter on every time we had a show <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> Well, Craig, listen, thanks so much, man. And it's, uh, it's super fun to parallel watch uh, what we're both doing in this, uh, in this quirky, awesome little province of New Brunswick as storytellers. Keep up the awesome work and uh, looking forward to hanging out with you in person sometime soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, guys. All right, Craig, take care. Take care, man. Talk soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, yeah so uh, takeaway, Dave, I think for me is I'm just so impressed with Craig's model where they only do work that is aligned with their values. And I'm not saying we don't, but we do work that's not completely in line with our values just to keep, keep the people paid. So it's a, it's a business model decision. You start with a different sort of overhead so you can, you can actually afford the, the bumps and, and the dips, or you go full bore machine and try to get as much stuff into it as possible. And I, it's a constant, um, discussion that we have at our company mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, talking to Craig always inspires me that mm-hmm. we can, as a, as a company, as a corporation, we can mm-hmm. get back to that place where it's all full values. I work. Yeah. You know what I, so, well, a couple of things. One is, um, I, I, I am always, um, when I listen to you and you, how you support people, you know, essentially, you know, could be deemed as your competitor. I just love how, um, you know, just how you think about it. Like, I think that's very cool. I just hearing you guys jam while we were off and thinking how you are sincerely happy for them, you know, and that, that's always cool to hear. Um, the other thing is for, for the layman, you know, like for me in terms of storytelling as it relates to, you know, kind of film and that sort of thing, I like how he broke down, you know, with what makes a I great love that story. Too. That was great. Yeah. yeah and it it's was like, true too. and I was just thinking, you know, just the interview before we had that character. Oh yeah, totally. It's sitting interesting there. person, interesting place, an interesting story. You yeah. Know? Like, and it just, and, and what, what's nice is just the simplicity around it. So, so man, and the other thing is, kudos to you. You're you're rolling. You're not feeling well. I've got a little. <laughs> I got a little miracle. Uh, you know, something to support you on the next interview. Um, so we'll see you next week, buddy. All right, brother. Stay well. Sleep well. Sleep. And keep that pot boiling. <laughs> Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out LeadershipUnleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling.
Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster and not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100% because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. <laughs>